Hey, you damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Oh, we love this. I'm And I'm Mark Tweedow. Uh, Mark Tweedow's uh, here. Yeah. Mark's here for our final episode of Halloween Times. Ha ha. Yes. I'm just gonna imagine the spooky music playing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark, for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's a spooky time of the year, Mark. I'm not just talking about tax time. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's all right. I've already done my tax, so I don't need to worry about that. But okay, I have gotten good. into some good spooky shows nice. lately. Excellent. Yeah. I stole that terrible joke, by the way. So yeah. Sorry about that. But anyway, what t- what spooky things have you been looking at? Uh, last night I watched Wendell and Wild. Uh, it's the new Henry Selleck film. So he did Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it's okay. uh, he paired with Jordan Peele, who wrote it with him. Oh, wow. It's a stop motion animated film. It's awesome. Wow. What is that on? Netflix. Oh, perfect. Okay, yeah. excellent. I'm definitely going to watch that this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Last week, I gave my full list of everything that I've been watching for Halloween. But since then, there are a couple other things that I've watched. Um, I watched Midnight Mass. Have you guys seen that? I uh, love seen that. Midnight Mass. It was really... So I watched the first episode, and I was like, this is kind of boring, but it's kind of interesting. And then the second episode was kind of also that. And then by the end of the third episode, I was like, I have to binge this entire series now <laughs> um, because it like it got so wild. And I was, oh. yeah, it was nuts. It, I it was, was really I was good. kind of watching it with you. And then I left the room to go do some things for a little while. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'll, I'll be back later. And I came back. And he turned around and was just like, you missed everything. I was just like, oh. I was only gone for like yeah, no, half it, an hour. It requires an attentive viewer. So he had to re- he had to rewind it so I could see all of the things that happened. And right. yeah, that show immediately spiraled yes. into the most fucking wildest thing I've ever seen. In my- anyway, it was great. Mm-hmm. I was very into, I got sucked into it. I got sucked into... Um, like all the weird shit that happened, like all the like all the actors that are playing all these like weird characters. I was like, oh, is this just gonna be like a weird character study? No, a bunch of shit actually starts happening, and I was anyway. I was enthralled by this. Yeah, I definitely uh, recommend weird that. show. Uh, I like yeah. the the. I'm um, spoilers if you haven't seen this, but I like the I like the very spooky guy. There's a spooky guy. <laughs> yeah, and I like I like when he puts on like a hat and a coat. Sometimes he has to yeah. put on clothes. <laughs> We were kind of I, um, we we were kind of laughing about that, or we were a good time with we that. were having our own fan fiction moments <laughs> about that, when we were we were imagining him putting on the the coat and the hat and being like, yeah. Aha, I'm a human it's, now." It's one of those. Look at me! Where... I'm a human. I have a coat on. I put on a hat. I have trouble trying to find a way to recommend this one to people, just because, like, as soon as you say, yeah. "Oh, you need to see the mask," they go, "Oh, what's it about?" And I'm like, mm, "I don't. I don't want to say enough. anything." I mean, it, it, it's. You can yeah. vaguely say it's horror, but I don't even want to specify what kind of horror it is. I want. To yeah, you don't really want to. Yeah. 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 But it's only seven episodes, so yeah, you should definitely check that out. It's on Netflix. 
Cool. Yeah. Did you watch anything else? God, there was something else that I was going to say that I've watched. I wasn't some... actually looking at the screen for the entire thing, by the way. I just want to oh. point out that like there were plenty of times where I just like, no, I'm just not even going to look right. at what's happening, probably. Um, the other show that we've been watching is The Patient. I don't know if you would call that horror, but it kind of is creepy. Oh, yeah. It's and that's another pretty one, messed up. That's another one that you don't really want to, if someone asks you what it's about, yeah. you don't really want to say because it's just kind of weird but that's kind of i think you can say i think you could probably say because like that it starts off like right with that being the thing anyway but Mm -hmm. yeah that one's really i would say much more traumatizing than like oh a spooky story about monsters and draculas or whatever like you know like which is i feel like midnight mass is like ah this is a spooky fun time and halloween time the the, but i i would just warn people like the patient is really very much like trauma porn i don't know it's kind of like it's kind of bleak in a lot of ways it's very kind of like i don't know i don't know if everybody i don't know if that's for everybody yeah yeah (laughs) certainly certainly probably not like People who listen to us are probably like, oh, I love a Frankenstein. You know, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll watch a werewolf, but like, this is not any of that. This is, it gets really real sometimes. Yeah. So even I'm just like, yeah. ooh, that's a bit icky. Yeah. I might not watch the rest of that. What about yeah. you, Aubrey? Have you been watching anything? Uh, well, um, I did start Jacob's Ladder the other day. I know. Every, God, I need to get that. I'm going to have to rent it, it is, over the weekend. It is really good. I, I know what uh, this is. What is this? We it's, were talking about last week with Ross. Okay. It's a uh, oh. movie that came out in like 1990 with Tim Roth. It's kind of a uh, Tim oh, Robbins. Oh, you know what? Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, not Tim Roth. Jacob's Ladder? Yeah. Yes. Don't tell him. John hasn't seen it. Okay, no, I've heard of this, okay. and I know what it's about. So, Have you seen this, Mark? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, this is we the don't need to watch like, it. I, I haven't seen a lot I of I just came uh, back to classics. me like... Right. It just came back to me like getting I just feel like I've been hit by a truck in my brain. <laughs> like I t- had totally wow, I had totally completely cut this out of my memory completely. Yeah. Like I had totally forgotten about it probably on purpose. Okay, yeah, this is it's a fucked up messed up thing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's uh, all I'll say about it. But then I also was listening to this other podcast the other day, and they were talking about Twin Peaks, so I started watching that again. Oh, perfect. Excellent. Yes. Very good. Oh, yeah. You're plugging the last book on the shelf. Danielle and I were oh, yeah, talking about Twin Peaks. Very nice. Yeah, that was fun. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes if you guys uh, haven't checked it out yet. It was a fun episode. Uh, those are some great guys. It, it was Twin some really Peaks. fun. We had some fun conversation with them. It was quite the experience that they had. Most of the my Twin co- Peaks, most so. of my uh, contribution to the conversation was just like I fucking love Twin Peaks so yeah. goddamn much. And I fucking <laughs> love this show. So I don't know how much I actually contributed. I was just sort of geeking out about how much I yeah. love the show. Oh. I started rewatching Lost. Oh, yes. nice. And then and then you I sucked me show. into it. I and got so you into for it. For some now. reason, while I'm supposed to be watching Halloween movies, I'm watching Lost again. And I'm like, damn it's it, so but, I, but it's so good. <laughs> it's God, so I so forgot good. how good it is. Did you watch fucking Lost, love Mark? That show. Uh, yeah, um, I were you a fan of that? I, I was a fan until like it's the end, but uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah well, I, you know, I probably just won't watch it. I like the yeah, end. no, no, I like I just do the whole thing where like yeah. on a rewatch, I still enjoy it. I just stop three episodes before yeah. the end. That's fine, <laughs> and that's fine to do. You're valid for that. Yeah, that You're so like, valid for that. Oh man, I remember we used to get together uh, every week to watch that show. Yeah, we really did. Yeah, we really did. We really did. Like, Literally really did that. It, so yeah. Cool. We're at season, y'all. 
I, I'm on season three. I'm still on season Ooh. one. Nice. John's on I'm season still on one. season Shit, one maybe because because Danielle yeah. uh, Danielle started a little bit before me, and then I started. I wanted to jump on where you were at, and you were like, "No, no you, you need to start from the start first from the one." So, and it's really actually really it's good. It's great. Yeah. It's actually really you good. Gotta get all the lovely um, character moments. I'm a big oh, fan yeah. of like the B plots of this show where people are just yeah. goofing about right. and hanging out let's and make doing a golf course or whatever. Yeah, play ping pong or whatever. Exactly. Sawyer and Jin are friends now, so it's like a whole thing anyway. Oh, man. I I feel like uh, because now when you make a show like Lost, it's going to be a 10-episode thing on, you know, Netflix, and it's going to drop, you know, all at once or something. They tend to be, like, I don't mind that they're very plot-focused, but they can be a bit too plot-focused in that they lose the side stories. The meandering stuff is my favorite stuff. I love just spending time with the characters sometimes. Like... I think that's why uh, a part of the uh, pleasure of Lost was it wasn't just the long plot line. It was the hangout no, yeah. show. You hang yeah. out with these characters yeah, yeah. on the island. And if you lose the hangout element, I feel like you lose a crucial spark of that You show. lose so much. Give me 28 episodes of just a bunch of bullshittery. I yeah. would love that, please. <laughs> I would love just meandering yeah. stuff that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I want yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Streaming is incredibly bad at us. the hangout show. <laughs> <laughs> um what, what about you mark anything else that you've checked oh, out yeah. for halloween absolutely um i had to check out guillermo del toro's uh ca- the cabinet of curiosities oh okay yes i saw the first episode of that thank you for I've reminding me of four. that it's great and oh, the first four already guy davis um which one uh the guy davis has done design work for the series oh awesome so it's, awesome. it's all the way through and um the other one was uh the midnight club which is from the same guy who did midnight mass Oh wow! Is okay. that new? Okay. Yeah, it's new. It came out um, for Halloween, and um, it's aimed at a young adult audience. So you probably won't have to look away with this one, Danielle. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, it's. I it's have nothing a... against that, by the way. Like, if oh, there's, no, no. I know that not everything is for me, and I'm fine with it. That's my yeah. solution, though. Is I, you know. Instead of being a big baby about it and yelling about it on the internet, I just go, funny, you know what? Maybe I just won't look at the screen. What's funny about it, though, is I'll describe it to you. Yeah, I like I'll be oh like, my. oh, now he's cutting him. Oh, his blood the is going to his mouth. The reason I'm not looking at the screen is because oh. I don't want to. He's oh, getting man. him, Danielle. I'll tell oh. her anyway. One of the lovely things about being married to you. There are pro- actually there are still some gory moments, but they're brief. It is aimed for young adults, so it's a different a different time okay that's cool that's cool um did you check out antlers we talked a little bit about that last week no um i don't currently have a streaming service that has it uh, when uh, i get i know there is a streaming service in australia that has it next time i'm on it i'll have to check it out yeah yeah what do you want over there you on quibi what do you got, <laughs> what do you got going on over there nobody's on quibi not even quibi <laughs> I, I refuse to to subscribe to more than one at a time no, we got a whole bunch of weird things. We got a whole bunch of stuff. Wait, what's the it's thing? Like, uh, binge, uh, Stan. Right on, um, Stan. Yeah, yeah like they, they've got all different names. So, you know, and, and like, well, it's got to the point where in order to keep track of like, because whenever you go to any kind of website that tells you where things are, they always tell you where they are in America and nowhere oh. else. Like, oh, that's so oh, useful. Oh, thought about that. Um, that's very so, yeah. You there's type a Australia into the Google. Oh no, that doesn't work. It, it's even if you put <laughs> oh, Australia no. in there, it still doesn't work. Uh, no, um. So there's a website called Just Watch, and you just type in the show you're looking for, and it tells you everywhere that it's available. It's a lifesaver. 
That's great. Oh, wow. Okay, excellent. Cool. So nice. just watch. I'll have to check that Very out. I'll put Jacob's ladder into that and find out there where it is. There you go. Yeah. Oh. I need to the do the that frustrating too. thing about Australia, though, is so often you'll be like, oh, man, this show sounds so awesome. And you punch in the thing and go, it's not available anywhere. Oh. It's just not oh. available legally anywhere in Australia. I'll have to check some of those out. I definitely want to check out this Midnight Club. That sounds like it would be fun. Yeah, it is. It's, Very it's good. much lighter than Midnight Mass. Okay, okay, cool. All right, and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. Listener feedback. Get out, trade some floppies. Get out, hardback copies. Digital is fine. Read along in time. Get out, trade some floppies. We got an audio, hey you damn guys, message from Rocco from Gotham City. Rocco from Gotham City. Book club member. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hey there, book club members. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. (laughs) Uh, Name's Rocco. Uh, I'm what you might call a uh, professional goon. Uh, I operate out of Gotham City. And I yes. gotta tell you folks, uh, you know, your most recent episodes about uh, that Catwoman comic, they're pretty good. <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, I know some of, the, some of the people that have been depicted in that fictional book in real life. You know, I worked for Killer Croc once or twice. Really nice guy, but uh, he goes through jargons like nobody's business. <laughs> you know, I worked for... Uh, Riddler one time, too. Yeah, too brainy for me. <laughs> I prefer somebody simple. A Catwoman, yeah. She don't She don't really hire no goons. You know, she prefers to work alone. But, uh, you know, I've seen her up close once or twice, and, uh, va-va-voo. <laughs> oh, don't do that to her, though. Not, no, don't, don't say nothing like that to her face, because she'll scratch you. I got the scars to prove it. Uh, but yeah, you know, I I, I like how these uh, these comics are uh, portraying the villains in a more realistic way. You know, they're uh, they're older. Uh, they they act more like real people, and you know uh, they kind of they're all all pals. You know, they uh, it's like they they're reminiscing about the good old days of being cartoony villains. Kind of reminds me of the Venture Brothers. Yeah. Uh, it gives me that that same kind of vibe, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, really great couple of episodes. And uh, I'm looking forward to the, to, to the spooky ones, the Halloween <laughs> season coming up. But uh, anyways, uh, you guys are awesome. This is Rocco from Gotham. Just wanted to let you guys know. That uh, you got a lot of love out here too, and uh, uh, wait, hold on. You hear it? Oh, jeez! Oh no, it's the bat! Oh god! <laughs> That was incredible. That was amazing. That was fantastic. That was some excellent voice acting. Yeah. <laughs> I that really enjoyed that. That was very good. I had to mute my mic. I'm afraid I lost it in the middle. I know. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't stop 
I had to like hold my hands over my face. That was very good. Oh my god, that was I'm very impressed that with was that. Awesome. Sincerely yeah, yeah. impressed with that. Rocco from Gotham that was City. Excellent. Thank I you. hope Thank that you, we Rocco. hear from you more, Rocco. I really appreciate you calling in and leaving us that voicemail <laughs> on the book club members answering <laughs> machine. Yeah. We really appreciate that. Hopefully you have a uh, Wi-Fi in the, in the hospital in, yeah, or wherever in Gotham you are. Central <laughs> Hospital and Gotham and Gotham General Hospital yeah. oh my God. where you undoubtedly are laid up. We hope you get well soon, Rocco. We hope those uh, those bills well, aren't those, too high. Those bones heal fast. We'll yeah. get a yeah, we'll get a we'll get a GoFundMe together awesome. for you over here. That was excellent. That was incredible. Thank you I'm so much. I'm very impressed. Yes. That was so much fun. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed those episodes. We will be coming back to Catwoman Lonely City yes. at the end of this month. Rocco is my new favorite guy. Regarding our Dracula episode, we heard from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Book club member. Yes. He said, I am definitely the person who asked for this commentary because Danielle mentioned wanting to do it. There were probably <laughs> others as well. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, let us know what you thought of that. Yes. We also heard from Mary Reese. Mary Reese. Book club member. Mm. She said, the idea that vampires couldn't go out in the day started in the film Nosferatu. That movie came out in the 1920s, but was the first adaptation of Dracula. But it was unauthorized, so they changed some of the details, like his name and his aversion to sunlight. Right. Even with the changes, Stoker's heirs sued and won, and all copies of Nosferatu were ordered destroyed. Some copies did survive, and it has a very influential effect on vampire lore like vampires not going out of the day okay and then she goes on to say that she really loved the dracula movie and she did check in in the book bram stoker's dracula dracula is less powerful during the day but that's it oh Oh. excellent thank you for that and then she goes on to say i agree gary Oldman is dreamy he's great (laughs) he's great that's a very good to know thank you so much for that information we appreciate that yeah, we were talking about that. Very good. Yeah. Very good. I always appreciate details where, um, you know, the law uh, of what humans understand for the creature is different from the reality of what the creature is. Right, right, yeah. right, right. And Although we... that's become such a thing now that that's the standard. And we were confused yeah. by that. We were like, what's this shit where he's going out in the daytime? But yeah, like, yeah. that's yeah. true to the Dracula okay. lore, which is what we were fucking watching they're trying to be true to that and then like for us like the rest of it is mostly you burst into flames and explode right yeah into a skeleton (laughs) and dust we also heard from janelle janelle book club member Mm. she said y'all were wondering why jonathan didn't leave dracula's castle i've been reading the dracula daily that you recommended Mm -hmm. and in that in that dracula tells jonathan that he controls the wolf pack that surrounds the castle so if jonathan sets foot outside the castle he'll be immediately killed by a pack of wolves (laughs) Wow. That's what all the wolves were about. Okay, so, and that's from the book yeah. also, right? We had all the wolves yeah. going. Nice. Yeah, so she told me that she'd been reading the Dracula Daily that's because great. Uh, we recommended it, but she's also read the book before, but she's never seen the movie. Oh, you gotta watch it. She still didn't watch it? No, she just listens to the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. When was the last time you rewatched Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mark? Oh, I've only seen it the one time. It was fairly, ooh, like maybe four years ago was the first time I saw it. When the comic came out, it's the first time I've read the comic, so it was all pretty new to me. Oh, wow. Wow, that's awesome. Are you a fan of that movie, or did you or did you think it's just like an excuse for horny vampires all day or whatever? Well, um, that part of it is probably not so much for me, but the rest of it was really fun. <laughs> okay. I don't know who that's for. Yeah. <laughs> Monster fuckers, I, I think guess. it's just for Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. I think it's just for him. It's just a very horny man. 
all the time too much. Probably teenage boys too. Oh, yeah. okay. There you go. There's a. This isn't so much hey damn guys, but our guitar player's wife said that she uh, he he told us that she listened to our Dracula commentary and thought it was great. Yeah. And fun. And I was like, did she did she watch the movie? No, she just listened to it. Yeah. Like all right. Okay. I think that's how most people listen to that. I I listen to. Uh, movie commentaries just like at work just while I'm yeah. working. See, so I like I to put the movie on. I do too, yeah. but I yeah. mean, you know, sometimes you also just like to have it on when you're doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's one of those things. I would love to have listened to that episode while watching the movie as well, but it, I would never have got around to it because I'm around screens all the time. So sure. it's yeah. like, yeah. I need time away from screens. So I just put on the headphones, <laughs> go for a walk in the garden. Yeah. Nice, like the like nice. the boys over at the Weekly Planet do a lot of movie commentaries. I love to just like listen to them while I'm working and stuff. In fact, that's where I stole the tax time joke. It's not tax time over here. It's tax time in Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just finished tax. <sighs> there you go. So that's that's where I stole that joke from. They're fantastic. Check them out. They're great. They really are. Regarding our old haunts episode, we had another message from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Book club member. I've been waiting for your insight on this book. I picked up the issues as they came out based on who was working on it and your talent as hype beasts. I'm glad I could get some uh, people turned on to that <laughs> yes, book. It's really great. That is awesome. good. Oh, Christopher Egan definitely would have been uh, reading that straight away. He's a fellow Mignolaversity person. Exactly. It, yeah. 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 He's not going to miss any Lawrence Campbell. No. It, definitely not. Yeah. At this point, like, yeah, I would I would buy anything that he I even picked up this like Judge Dredd one shot or whatever, because he has an he has a story in yeah, there with say, Rob you're not, Williams. You're not like a huge Judge Dredd. No, fan but I'm like, oh, Lawrence I got to have this Lawrence yeah. Campbell stuff. Yeah, oh, I read that. I'll let you check it out. We also heard from Drew Campbell. Drew Campbell. Book club member. Yes. Um, we were talking about Maple Leaf Rag by Scott Joplin. He said, you're probably most familiar with as the composer of the song, The Entertainer which was the song that ice cream trucks played when I was a kid. Oh, I hate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but remember, we were trying to remember that, uh, yeah. what, what song that was. Anyway, also from Drew Campbell, he said, Jacob's Ladder is one of my favorite movies. Really? When I, when I was on my senior trip one night, we decided to rent some movies. Someone had heard or seen about Event Horizon and said it was supposed to be really scary, so we rented <laughs> that. And I remember having seen previews for Jacob's Ladder <laughs> and thinking it looked Child's creepy, play. so we got that too. We watched Event Horizon first and pretty much made fun of it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I liked I, Event Horizon. No, but I mean, if you're trying to yeah. like, but if you're trying to say like, which one will fuck you up more? Yeah, definitely Jacob's Ladder. Oh, see, well, I haven't seen that. Okay. One. Um, he said, then we watched Jacob's Ladder and we got totally freaked out and our minds got blown. Yeah. We were even inspired to start coming up with our own horror movie nice. and even had some pretty good ideas, which of course never went anywhere. Sure. But Jacob's Ladder has a special place in my heart ever since. Excellent. That's Very awesome. Good. Yeah. I also saw it when I was in a high school with a group of friends. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. And we were all like, Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. What was the that? fuck? yeah. <laughs> oh, I got you to watch Ginger Snaps. Did we already talk about that on here? Um no we well you weren't on last I, week. I wasn't so here. Okay. Last week I read but my list that. of all the movies that I watched. Right, and excellent. uh in my werewolf movie list, Ginger Snaps was in there. Yes, but I hadn't yeah. seen that. So we watched that. That was a very interesting I was gonna take. say, what'd you think? It was really good. Yeah. Right? And it was like one of the more interesting takes, like seeing all these different werewolf movies, they're all they all kind of follow the same kind right, of thing. Right, exactly. W once you've seen like the Lon Chaney nineteen forty one Wolfman, like a lot of that stuff carries on yeah. in all these other films. But um Ginger Snaps was kind of different. They had a new take on it. They had a different take yeah. on it. And um, there was another one. It wasn't really that good, but it sticks with me. <laughs> sure. Is this werewolf castle. 
Uh, um, you have mentioned this so many it was times. On Amazon, it it. it was on Amazon Prime, but it was like Game of Thrones werewolves. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's but like, hilarious. I didn't recognize any of the actors or anything like that, but it That's wasn't great. terrible. And it was like, and the ending was pretty metal. Right I was on. like, fuck yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, check out last week's episode if you want my full list of all the Halloween stuff that I watched. Something funny happened on the last episode. Ross Radke, when I did my diabolical laugh, he did his own version of the little scary sounds. Oh, he did he? And then so like I cut it in there. Nice. Um, I cut it in there with the actual scary sounds. The scary sounds that you made. Yeah. Because <laughs> yes, you couldn't find exactly the one that you had in your head and you were like, I guess I'll just make it up then. Well, you have to exercise those demons. Incredible. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I had to get it out. It's it's too long <laughs> and it's so funny every time. How <laughs> dare you? It is No, just by the too right long, way. I mean, it's, it's absolutely too long and I love it. I love yes, that no, it's, it's too it's long. It's too long it's, in the way that so it's funny. just the right length. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that, Mark. Um, going. We heard from Benny Decker. <laughs> Benny Decker. <laughs> Book club member. He said, I almost died laughing when Ross Ratke meowed after the Halloween sounds played. <laughs> great great episode, you damn guys. I don't know if every, everybody noticed that, but he did. Uh, but then Ross responded. He said, wait, how do you know it wasn't John or Aubrey? Mm-hmm. And Benny said, I figured since you started the how, because he also did that, that you also meowed. I'll send the audio to the crime lab to confirm. Excellent. Very good. Awesome. I missed so much when I wasn't here. Yeah, you got to check out that episode. I it was fun. Out. Yeah, I got to listen to that. Yeah, that was fun. We had a good time with Ross. We also, had a, we also had some feedback from you, Mark, regarding our old haunts episode. You pointed out this really. We what talked, is this a crossover episode? Yeah, we talked a little. Uh, we talked a lot about the storytelling through the art with old haunts. A lot of it is very minimal dialogue, and it's just like the storytelling. And so you pointed out an exa- uh, awesome example of a panel that has really good composition. You were talking about how your eyes travel left to right. You can see the club, and then you you posted a picture of it on our Twitter. I think I retweeted that. Um, but yeah, thank you for pointing that out. That was really great. Yeah. I like that, you know, Lawrence Campbell's such a good storyteller that he puts a three-act story in a single panel. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, what did you think of Old Haunts? I uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. And so when they announced that uh, Rob Williams was going to be jumping onto the Mignolaverse, I was like, oh, hell yes. <laughs> uh, Rob Williams, uh, because he's worked with uh, Lawrence Campbell a few times, he's really good at, like, carving out space for Lawrence Campbell to just go into, like, really great, uh composition territory like he just he just trusts him to do that sort of stuff and sort of passes the baton and lets him run with it oh yeah yeah definitely i mean there are so many of those parts of that book that are just whole stories in three pages you know some of the Mm. flashbacks we talked about and yeah um i can only imagine i'm sure that yeah a lot of that is left to lawrence campbell to do the storytelling i don't know if i mentioned this when you were doing a sort of hyperborea but um in the fourth issue, when they introduce the um, the main character in that, the, the first time you see him, it's like you're looking at him from the back, and it's uh, composed in such a way that it looks like he's bleeding from the back of one of his legs. And it's like, it was just a really, really clever bit of design. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, I have to check that out. I just got my hardcover in. I think I, there's still a couple for sale. I'll post it on the thing. But Forbidden Planet had signed copies of Sword of Hyperborea hardcover. Um, by Rob Williams and Lawrence Campbell. And so they were the same price as buying it regular. So I definitely had to get one of those. So yeah, I think there are a couple left. I'll post that in the show notes if you want to pick one of those up. All right. 
And now we're going to get to our book club episode for the week. And we are wrapping up our Halloween times with some Harrow County. Today, we're going to be talking about issues 9 through 12. These were published from February to May 2016. I did want to talk about this because um, at the end of the last episode, we had our little bonus section, you know, where I gave Aubrey the library editions. I basically was looking around uh, back in May for these books because I was like, oh, they're starting to go out of print and the, the prices were obscene. I think it was because in a podcast you had mentioned that you'd been looking for them already. And I was like, oh, let me check in and see if they're cheaper anywhere. And they were not. They they, they were so expensive. (laughs) Sort of like, oh, crap. I I think we may have missed the window to pick these up. It just so happened that at the time Cullen Bunn was about to launch his store uh, and he had a few books that, you know, he takes to conventions and such. And I contacted him and was sort of like, hey, I know you're about to launch your e-store again. Do you happen to have these books? And he did. So we were very lucky to get them. Very lucky, oh, yes. Very lucky. Yeah. And then and, and also that he was receptive to to you reaching out is so kind. That's 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 really nice. Yeah. 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 And we were so lucky to get some in that e store relaunch or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. because there were only a, a couple that went out at that time yeah. so it just happened to be the right time you know to be able it to was good timing yeah yeah exactly um, you go on later and all of the harrow county stuff was pretty much gone yeah i can imagine yeah but thank you for having your finger on the pulse with that mark yes, and thank you, mark. you know, getting those at the exact right time that was amazing we sincerely appreciate from the bottom of our hearts i mean that is such a sweet gift and just very generous thank you so much we're very touched yeah on a personal level that's very nice i mean when john handed it <laughs> to me i was just like what and then he told me the whole story about it and he hands it to me and i'm like oh this is awesome and then he goes and then he goes oh and here's three and four and i'm like are you fucking kidding me? yeah <laughs> it was amazing we certainly feel very special over here and we we sincerely appreciate that yeah from the bottom of our hearts thank you so much yeah and it was um it was really amazing that we were able to pull this off and yeah you really made it happen mark so, so sweet yeah i feel so, so flabbergasted um, for by helping this. us get those but even down to the delivery because i was like hey mark we should just give him two and then the next week when we have you on we could give him the other ones and he was mark was like no no no, you gotta give you gotta give him all of them at the same time because i just want to i just want his jaw to hit the floor so i was and it definitely did it definitely i mean you can hear the silence or whatever we were we were at uh we were at the bedrock city minicon it had been a long day. We had had a couple beers, and uh, yeah, that was a great way to kind of cap that off. It was funny though; people were also cheering at that same time because the Astros game was going on. Yeah, you could hear them in the audio in the background, just barely. It was it, that was kind of surreal too because the Astros are they're winning right now, and so yeah. there's a TV above our booth. So we inadvertently like had a crowd of people like around our booth just because they were watching the TV. <laughs> but every time anything would happen, they would start clapping, and so anyway. <sighs> It's just, fun. It just funny. Um, Colin Bunn actually uh, listened to that clip at the end when you gave the thing, and uh, he said that that was very heartwarming. Oh, thank you. That's very cool. I'm so glad he listened to that. Oh, That's awesome. Friendship. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so we're going to get into this issue nine, but hold on, wait. I'm looking over here, Danielle, like... Oh, what's the... happening? Oh, I'm being beamed up into a spaceship. Oh, my goodness. Wait, wait, wait. Hold phone. on. What's happening? 
God damn it. John, what did we say about the aliens? I know. I have gotta to... watch out for the aliens. <laughs> gotta watch out for them. They'll return her shortly, I think. They're Hopefully. just going they're they're just going around the earth a couple times. Okay. <laughs> Issue nine is written by Cullen Bunn and art by Carla Speed McNeil. McNeil is a science fiction writer, cartoonist, and illustrator of comics, best known for the science fiction comic series Finder. The color is by Jen Manley Lee. Lee is the author of The Girl Who Owned a City, and you should check out her webcomic, Dicebox. So I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes. That's very cool. And then we get some awesome cover art on this issue by the great Tyler Crook. Definitely, Definitely. creepy cover, yeah. We open with the Harrow County logo you know the the words harrow county lovingly worked into the opening page as always i really love that it's great to come back to this and you're like oh yeah they do that it was also very nice seeing this like in the library edition because it's so big and beautiful oh yeah oh, oh i have to mention um so uh last night i was looking through my library editions and i've got a original tyler crook piece on my wall and i you know was like oh well, let's compare the two like you know put held up the page that i've got um, against uh, the the picture on the wall, and the color reproduction is amazing. Like it is so so damn close to the the actual way uh, Tyler painted it. I'm really impressed with that. It matches exceptionally well. That's, oh, that's so awesome. cool. One thing I thought was impressive. So you sent me actually a picture of this. You have the script, and then you have the pencils, and then you have the the painted version. Yes. Right. Is that the pencils in the middle? How do you get that too? Are those two separate pieces? Uh, so when Tyler was selling these, he was actually, you, when you get the page, you get the pencils as well. Like I didn't know that at the time when I bought them. It's just, oh, that's wow. how it arrived. Oh wow! And uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, this is too much of an opportunity to miss out on. So I quickly contacted uh, Cullen Bunn and asked if I could get that page of the script as well. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. That's a great story. I'll have to post this um, in our post for the week. So everybody can check it out if you don't mind, Mark, but um so so what is the painted one because i would think that he would paint on top of the pencils but no i guess they no. scan the pencils in and then he paints over the scan is that how that works he's got a different process now but um if you you can see it on um his videos on his youtube channel how he does it um he usually has like a, a printout i think he pencils now digitally and then um prints those out and then uh goes over the top of it like they they think they're printed like kind of um like a faint brown oh wow okay very cool. Check out his YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll link that really in the good. show notes like, also. I get really sucked into watching those videos. Um, I don't know. There's something because they're sped up, you know, like the whole thing whizzing by. And I don't know. They just always suck me in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those are very calming to watch at times. Yeah, they are. They're um, very relaxing. So uh, getting into this opening page, it wasn't until the second time that I read it that I noticed all the ominous eyes all mm -hmm. over the train. Um, I thought that was a really nice, like, subtle creepiness. Oh, yeah. A train is passing through. It's dotted with these ominous eyes, and one of these jumps off. So, like, does it become, does it, did it look like that man, that creepy dude already? Or did it turn into that to, like, blend in with people, you know, or something like that? Like, what is happening right there? Honestly, it could be either way, but I just assume that's just how he looked myself. Right, It's right. definitely up to your interpretation there. Because, I, I don't know, I mean, I used to be, like, really into, like, monsters, and I would collect all these, like, monster in my pocket. Do you remember those? Um, and they were all the different monsters, and I would uh, I would learn about all the different monsters. And it always and so this panel reminded me, like, of a Spring-Heeled Jack. 
or something like that you know is he like a goblin and then he like transformed into this like creepy dude it's good that you're asking about what he could potentially be because oh okay. you should be wondering very good oh yeah yes but um he immediately does like some really horrible stuff he, to this bird and he basically turns it into a flute or something. So he's like playing through the the bird's mouth or whatever the notes are that are coming out. I guess that's what that is, you know, and like as a bird lover, like this was really this was like really unsettling and kind of difficult. I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, this is this is this is rough. It's it's a little fucked up. <laughs> yeah. As an introduction to a new character, though, it's extremely appropriate. Exactly. So it really um, makes me like not like this guy and just be like <laughs> he's capable of some really heinous stuff. Well, I mean, like the one thing that really stands out to me, or there's actually a lot of things that stand out on this page actually, but it's just the birds are already like you know making their own um, sounds as they're going along. Right. Not just that, you know, like he kills it and mutilates it for his own purposes, but it's just that he kills it and then makes his own sounds, you know, like it's right. not yeah. in what that, you know, like there's something that's really creepy and unnerving about that. So we cut over to the skinless boy under the house. He hears the sound. I just really love this page, like the composition of it, the art style is different from Tyler Crooks, but I feel like it it goes well with all of this. Yeah, um, the colorist, Jen Manley Lee, she works digitally, and um, she was really trying to bring out, you know, watercolor qualities in her digital work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can really see that. The skinless boy heads towards Emmy's window and crawls inside. I gotta say, I love these these few pages of no dialogue, but all of this story that's just being told about him sneaking into the room, grabbing the skin, running out to the field into the woods, seeing the dragonflies, and he gets up to the, the guy, and then that's, bam, we get some dialogue again. Right, yeah. yeah. I really do love that. And, and the dragonflies, I want to point that out because it seems like that's kind of a recurring motif right Uh, we're gonna see this a couple times so i definitely noticed that it seems like they specifically pause on that for a second you know these two dragonflies well the other thing that i really like about this is that it kind of shows how cullen bunn is with artists um so at the time he hadn't worked with uh, carla speed mcneil before and he gives her a, a huge silent sequence, you know, like he just trusts her to tell the story. Right. I feel like wow. there are so many writers out there that if they were working with an artist for the first time, they would not do that. They, you know, they, they ease up to that, you know, like that's a second or third issue kind of thing, but to do that right from the get go, that's shows an enormous amount of trust. Yeah. That's awesome. So the skinless boy, you know, he approaches the creepy guy. He sees him there playing his instrument. And the guy seems to know that he's there. He addresses the skinless boy. He says, here's a $5 word for you, psychopomp. Know what that is? I didn't know what that is. Do you know what that is, Henri? <laughs> I just thought he was mispronouncing psychopath. <laughs> no, psychopomps are supernatural creatures, spirits, entities, angels, demons, or deities in many religions whose responsibility is to escort newly deceased souls from Earth to the afterlife. And then he wants some company eating. He offers some pig's feet, pickled up nice and salty and tart. You ever have that? Nope. Okay. (laughs) What about you, Mark? You ever eat that? No. Sure. I haven't either. We'll have to ask Danielle when she gets back, when she gets back from her abduction. (laughs) If you have, and no judgment, because I don't care. I mean, I've eaten fucking weird shit. Um, Is it any good? Yeah. I mean, 
people have got to like it. Right. People yeah. Eat it, you yeah. Know? yeah. Sure. He says, "You sure your other self don't want to taste?" Although he ain't got no teeth to tear, no gristle, no tongue to savor the flavor. Talking about the the skin, I guess. The creepy guy knows a lot of stuff about the skinless boy, um, that he doesn't know his name. He uh, has the whole line because because there ain't nothing quite so tasty as long pigs. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Okay, I did look yeah. this up. A long pig he's... is a reference to like eating human flesh. I knew that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's eating pickled pigs, but he'd much rather be eating something else. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like right away, you're seeing like just the way he uses things and consumes things, like the emphasis on his mouth throughout this entire sequence mm. you know like this is a real creepy character we hear our name in a dream that's when we wake up he says i thought that was a great line i almost thought it referenced like this state that he's in is like a dream or something you know mm-hmm. like he like he's not real yet or something i don't know he knows the skinless boy caught a garfish and thought it was a devil from the dark we see kind of the illustration of it there in the air um, so these are called like needlefish or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're pretty creepy looking. Yeah, they really are. He knows about Hester Beck, how she created the people from mud. Just a girl now, though, he says, referring to Emmy, right? So he knows like this whole backstory. He says he wants to eat her and suck the marrow from her bones. I'll be honest, like a lot of times I've been reading this, all of a sudden I can just hear it in the Southern accent, like, I'll eat her from the inside. Oh, for sure. I might suckle the marrow from a long pig's bone. Sooner or later, it'll give birth to put something she can't put back down. Might be it already has. <laughs> yeah, so um, I thought that was an interesting line. Sooner or later, it'll give birth to something she can't put back down. What is what is that referring to, right? Some other like future thing yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah, I really enjoyed revisiting this story and just seeing all the seeds that you know they're planting. Oh, okay. Ooh. Nice. He's like, don't you ever wonder where your girl came from? If she was the only one of her kind? Come on now. And it says clink clink. He so that's kind of also um, referencing something that's going to happen. We're going to see what that clink clink is. I just thought of it. Mm-hmm. The skinless boy goes after a rabbit, and he catches it. The creepy guy mentions like he's remembering something that he used to do before. But now that you got one, what you going to do with it, he asks. So he just lets it go. He also points out these briar tangles. And he is now going to recollect this horrifying story of this boy being chased by dogs. And so he crawls into these thorny thickets and basically has all his skin ripped off by the time he crawls out the other side. So this is also like a tough couple of pages. I mean, it's very beautifully done but it is pretty messed up um I, th- I found the descriptions more unsettling the skin of yours tattered and torn and hanging in the thorny vines on the thorns more than his bones there you go yeah that's another one where it's just like Ugh, yeah that's awful that like i mean you see it you don't really see it the way that he describes it but enough of it where it just puts it like your mind fills in the rest and it's like no stop doing that (laughs) why are you doing that i really love the kind of portal-esque quality that it has though you know where on one side it's like these tangle of brambles and everything and then you get to the other side and as he's emerging it's like rose bushes oh yeah yes that's nice so when he comes out that other side with the roses He's coming out at his childhood home. And so the creepy guy, like, he's gesturing him to, like, go in there and check it out. Um, This is where you really lived, for your skin got torn right off you, and your name along with it. 
He's still eating those pig feet, slurping on him or whatever. When the skinless boy tries to go inside, the skin like is like, no, not like this, not looking like this. I thought that was horrible. Mm. So we get this whole scene. He puts the skin on and he grabs a shirt, I guess, also from the line. Well, he didn't want to be naked. Yeah. (laughs) So he puts the skin on. Go on, boy. Claim your name, the creepy dude says. Inside, we get this whole scene where the skinless boy finds another boy in what used to be his bed. The creepy guy reveals that the reason the skinless boy passed through the roses, because you're half dead, he says. And that's why you don't remember your name. When old Hester called up those creatures, where do you think she got them? The witch that pulls us right out of the air. Right out of some poor sod's dreams. As easy as picking fireflies from the air. So Hester just created him as like a weird mirror image of this other boy, right? Or yeah. something like that. Took the qualities of that. So the whole, you know, like he's this kid's nightmare manifest. Right. Just like something this kid is terrified of and that's his whole identity he's just this kid's nightmare there's this whole scene where the skinless boy gives the real life version of himself nightmares for life as he yells at it you can't steal my name the way the skin fits over the skinless boy is especially unsettling it right? really is <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. god <laughs> like the flap around the mouth yeah but i I like on the close-up where he's saying tell me my name you can see like it's not just that it's flappy skin but you can see with like the red blood traces that have been left behind when he was handling the skin as he was pulling it onto himself oh yeah gosh so much detail in there it's really i mean it's horrific but Mm. it's very well done like it's you know you got to strike that balance where you're like it's beautiful but it's also horrible that's what makes it good i guess here we get the clinking stuff There you go. So the creepy guy, he offers some tools. He says, this is who I am. I'm the boogeyman's boogeyman. And I'm offering you the chance, the chance to be whole again. So I think he's like, you could get this kid's skin, right? Yeah. Or something like that. That's what he, because like, what are the tongs for? I'm like, what are tongs? Why does he have tongs in there? But it's like, it's for like lifting skin up or whatever or something. I don't know. I was like, I thought about this way too much. Hmm. I think he could be uh, preparing him for any number of things. It's yeah. sort of, <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Well, that's where my mind went with it, at least. So it went somewhere horrible, which I guess they did their job. Yeah. The little boy is pleading for the skinless boy to go away the entire time. He says, I'm awake now, so you have to leave me alone, please. You're right, Mark. So that's his nightmare. And he's like, no, but I'm awake now, so you should yeah. be gone. What are you still doing here? I thought that was really also very unsettling. It made me feel so bad for this kid. In the terror in the kid's face, the way that uh, McNeil draws the fear in this boy's face and the tears coming out of its eyes with her shut tightly, though. Man, it's fucking creepy. (laughs) But it's traumatizing for both of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like the skinless boy is scaring the shit out of this kid, but it's, but he's also, you know, He's having a revelation, too, that he's not really real, quote unquote, or they don't miss him. You know what I mean? Because technically he's still there. In the morning, Emmy finds the skinless boy in a terrible state. He's just in the corner holding this toy rabbit. I was looking for that toy rabbit in the previous scene. Does he did he have that before? Um, I believe that he's taken that from um, Caleb's room. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hold on. No, wait. I think he had that back in the first issue when he's. Right. I was going to say, did did he have that in a previous issue? But yeah, definitely like cut. No, it it showed like he is still a child. And right. Just that. There's a lot of pain. 
Yeah, and we see the we see the bloody footsteps. We see the skin on the ground, and the skin says, "Just a pet, toy, familiar, no name." That's how he tempted me, bait for a gar. And she's like, "Wait, what are you doing here? Where have you been? What have you been doing?" But he's unresponsive. So I want to draw your attention to something here, and this is uh, something I actually asked the um, artist about, um, and she told me, "You'll notice that there's a lot of blood." as he's coming back into the room, you know, like, like in the bloody footprints. Yeah. And she mentioned how like, well, he's a haint. He's not really alive. It's not like he has to bleed. He so like the bleeding. Um, like you, if you look back in other issues, he'll be walking around leaving no bloody footprints. Then other right. times he'll touch something and he'll leave a bloody print. She was saying that like, they treat blood from this character. Like you would sweat or tears. It represents a level of intensity that's coming from the character. Right. Okay. And so like, when you're seeing sense. a lot of blood all over the floor like that, it, it echoes that emotional state that he's in. Wow. Yeah. That was very unsettling for me too. And I don't remember that being like normal or i guess whenever he's around but like yeah seeing all the bloody footprints and everything was like ugh. where'd you get that toy she asks protecting you i think the skin says testing me seeing if i turn against you for a name what's gotten into you the way you're talking did you have a nightmare which is funny because he was the other boy's nightmare or whatever you know it's ironic so we cut over to the boy he's waking up to some breakfast being made when he gets there the mother is shocked to see his face and she calls out his name so we finally get his name here caleb he's got this bloody handprint on his face she's like what happened to you It was the red boy, he says, the one I dreamed about. Only he was real and he was wearing a skin, a skin that looked like me. And I thought he was going to kill me, Mama. But that wasn't what he wanted. He just wanted to know my name. That's all he wanted. And we see the creepy guy walking off. There's a nice, like, kind of page transition there. He's still playing that awful instrument that he made mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so we finally get it we finally get his name and this was kind of like his origin right we finally like reveal yeah. his origin which i thought was like pretty interesting that they took one issue to just like kind of almost have a bottle episode where they just talk about this which was really cool yeah. i mean it's still in the continuity but it kind of it also acts stands on his own the one thing i really want to draw your attention to in this is the way the narration isn't there so harry county usually has uh narrative captions and they're completely oh, stripped oh, away yeah. for this story. And part of that is because whenever you have uh, narrative captions, it gives you insight into the characters. And the skinless boy has always been a little bit of a cipher, but this new character that's being introduced, he's meant to be a major cipher. So um, when you were talking about the episode, I couldn't help but grin every time you mentioned what's he thinking, what's he doing. It's because that's exactly what Callan Bunn wants you to be thinking about. He wants you to be thinking about this guy's motives and what makes him tick because this guy doesn't talk directly. Everything he says, oh. he's talking about something else and, you know, using this other thing as kind of a way to talk about it. This whole issue, it's meant to be trying to push you more into the character's head by actively engaging rather than just being told. Right, right. Definitely did. And it was like, I don't want to be in this kid's head or I don't want to <laughs> be in this guy's head either. Like it was, yeah. you know, it was it was unsettling and it was yeah. creepy, but it, it like did the job. And I thought that McNeil and Jen Manley Lee did an awesome job with the art here, taking over these duties from like, for someone like as awesome as Tyler Crook to like have another per- have another team come in, it's got to be good, especially for an issue like this, right? Hey, I'm being beamed back in, <laughs> and they're beaming me back down from the from the spaceship, the aliens spaceship. The aliens. There goes the UFO. There it goes. Okay, but how was that? Pretty great. What what Damn happened? It. We're just hanging out. 
Okay. That's pretty good. They she have amazing cobbler. <laughs> oh, that's cool. awesome. Really good. Is it like alien cobbler? Like what kind of what do they put in there? I have a feeling that it was some zephyr apples. Ah, there we go. Good reference. Pretty good. Did I get that right? What yeah. is it called? Zapper apples. Zapper apples. Yeah. Listen, it was fun. I had a great time. Awesome. So we're going on to issue 10 here. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, I'm so glad to be back with some of these other characters, you know, like Bernice. And I like that we get these stories, too. It's not just Emmy's story. It's the story of other people in Harrow County, too. So um, I like that as well. Yeah, this story is pretty cool. I really love this arc. Oh, my God. I love this. This two-issue story is one of my favorites. And Tyler Crook is back on the art with this one. And gosh, this opening page is fantastic. I was blown away by the colors and everything on this. Um, and I zoomed in to like look at all the little details. Um, we see Harrow County on the license plate, which is a nice like uh, oh, nice way for them to work it into the art. And I love um, Clinton here. He's got a good stick. If you zoom in, that's what he's doing. He does. He's got a good stick. Yeah. That's Man. always like a, that's a universal Hell thing with yeah. kids. You find you're Absolutely. out there, when you, you find a good stick. Find a good stick, that's the whole day. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a whole day. I still, when I find a good stick, I'm like, hmm. Yeah. I really want to pick that up. Yeah. <laughs> but I leave it in case a kid comes around for the good stick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just looking at this opening page, I was now like. Now when I'm in my own yard, pick up that good stick. Okay. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Play with it for a bit. I mean, it's your yard. You're serious. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Yeah. But looking at this opening page, I was just blown away by the colors. I love this like, um. The leaves are changing color, you know, on some of the trees and stuff like that. Really nice detail. Yeah, it looks super good. Oh, yeah. Clinton has a great stick. Uh, It's a great stick. It's so great that he gets called on by his uncle early for not picking blackberries like he's supposed to be doing. And if he doesn't help, he doesn't get seconds of Granny's blackberry. I have to assume that's cobbler. Was it going to be cobbler or pie or I don't know what was it? What was he going to say? Fill it in yourself. That's probably the biggest mystery of the whole series, right there. Yeah. We will never know. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't say what it is because he sticks himself on a thorn. Clinton mentions that early never gets stuck. Never mind what I said. On second thought, I wish you would get on from here, early says. Last thing I need is your help. All of a sudden, very grumpy at yes, his nephew. His that seems like, like such totally a mean, changes. rude thing to say to a kid. On this next uh, panel. I love how Clinton's like, whatever you say, Uncle Early, yeah, he's he happy seem to be. <laughs> he's happy with not having to. Yeah. But there's the SWAT, you know. I love that sound effect. You know, we've talked about before how Tyler Crook works the sound effects into the art, and it's almost like the yeah. SWAT is like conveying that or whatever, the motion of the SWAT and everything. And we see the dragonflies again, just like on that last issue, yes. right? Mm-hmm. I like the panel where he's just standing there pointing. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. conveys that so well. There's a snake over here. Um, I love the panel before it where he looks down through the blackberries and sees something. Um, that's so great. Just the the art on that panel is incredible. Early goes to check it out, and he finds a black cotton mouth curled up there. He asks Clinton for a shovel, and Clinton says, it's a little thing, and it ain't hurting anybody. But Early says, that snake will kill you right quick. This is uh, Agskistrondon piscivorus, a species of pit viper and subfamily of the Viperdae. It is one of the few semi-aquatic vipers and is native to the southeast United States. As an adult, it is large and capable of delivering a painful and potentially fatal bite, 
Although deaths are rare, the bite can leave scars and on occasion require amputation. The kid is right. Like, it's just a little snake that ain't hurting nobody. And so he's like, oh, but if it bites you, it's like, well, it's like, don't fuck with it then. Like, right. just don't mess with it. Well, we're going to learn something about these snakes. That's a little. Yeah, but in general. Spooky. Just if you see a snake, just leave it alone. Right. Just like yeah, that's go well, to that's... a different area. Oh, I will go to that different area very fast. <laughs> they don't want anything to do with you. It's fine. And I'm lucky I don't want to have anything to do with them. There you go. It works out. Everything it all works out. But yeah, don't need to do that. Early tries to chop it with the shovel, but he misses. Ah, like this whole page was like, I was just like, when you see the snake dodge the the shovel, it's like, you're fucked. Like, yeah. you're fucked. Like, why are you it, even Not, not just dodging there. the shovel, but also wrapping itself around the shovel. And coming up to his face to bite him. That's his a, fault for fucking with snakes. I would have chucked that shovel so far i would have not been in that situation no, in the first yeah place. yeah but that was very impactful this whole snake bite scene i was just like and then you don't see it you see it about to happen and then you just see him from the back afterwards uncle early tries to play it off to clinton and he like positions himself so clinton doesn't see the bite on his ear uh, but it looks pretty painful and he's like uh bit in the ear clinton's like uh is it, a, is it a bite though looks like it's a bite yeah because yeah we'll learn a little more about what that is oh okay okay yeah i thought it was a snake bite we cut to emmy and bernice singing in the woods they're singing it's a long way to tipperary um, never heard that song no i, it's a I actually long way to tipperary. it's a long way to go yes yeah. never heard that song Probably. I probably have. I'll cut a clip of it into the show notes here. It's an Irish music hall song first performed in 1912 by Jack Judge and written by Judge and Harry Williams, although authorship of the song has been long disputed. It was recorded in 1914 by Irish tenor John McCormack. The song was originally written as a lament from an Irish worker in London missing his homeland before it became a popular soldier's song. Welcoming signs in the reference country of Tipperary, Ireland, humorously declare, you've come a long way. Ah, So that's the sign that you get there. That's super cute. Um, And I like this. This It's just a cute scene of them singing. You know, like, Mm -hmm. um, I like these scenes in there. They're depicted so well. And it's just nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also a kid thing of like, yeah, you're singing a song you don't know anything about. Oh, you're like, right. It's just a song I heard someone singing. They don't even know where temporary is or whatever. Singing. Yeah. yeah. They don't know anything about the song. They're just singing it. It's a very kid thing. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my dad used to sing songs like that to me, and I would sing them. As yeah. Yeah. And then, like, you sing yeah. it in another context, and someone's like, how the hell do you know this song? <laughs> Why are you singing this song? I really love this page. It's one of those ones where, like, I don't know, I'm seriously tempted to try and buy this one. Aww. And I assume that all of this is in the art, right? Like, the music notes. I, I wonder if that's, like, the oh, actual yeah. notation. I guess it probably is, right? I, I assume it would be. I don't read music, so I wouldn't know. You'd know better than I would. Yeah. You wouldn't make that up. I mean, yeah, people are going to be like, what is this garbage? <laughs> yeah. So um, it is a really cute scene, but it's interrupted by this awkwardness when Emmy realizes she's come far enough. Bernice is aware that people just think of her as a witch. Hester Beck, when they see her. Yeah, I like that. She goes, oh, I reckon I've come far enough. Emmy finishes it by saying, it's all right. We'll figure it out one day. So it's like, there's still hope that like, you know, I'm 
she has some belief that people could come around. As mm-hmm. they hug, Emmy says she'd never let anything happen to her. But Bernice mentions that Emmy can't always be with her. So yeah, just a really nice moment in the middle of all this. Bernice heads towards Mason Hollow. The narration boxes explain that they made homemade wine there, which was a successful business. There's now a path glittered with broken mason jars from when the government men came through and smashed everything. But as uh, as we kind of reveal it, it looks really cool. Yeah, it looks really nice there. Mm. And the colors are so fantastic by Tyler Crook. I love yeah. all the details of the, you know, what people are doing there in the background. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was looking at this sign that says Elephant Soda. I was trying to find that. I couldn't find a, I could find like some references to it, but I couldn't find anything substantial. So um, I know there is Elephant Soda, but like there's also current Elephant Soda and that's all I could find. And I tried to put like vintage or first Elephant Soda and I couldn't find it, but I think that that's an actual thing. Chesterfield's is an actual cigarette. There you go. Bernice greets people. It seems pretty nice there until we get to Uncle Early. He stares angrily into a path into the woods. That look when Uncle Early turns around and looks at her. Bernice asks Clinton about it, and he says he's been like that since morning. We know that it's since a snake bite. Clinton asks, you know who lives down that path? You don't think she's calling him, do you? But Bernice says, that's a fool story. We learn more about this fool story as Bernice goes over to talk to her grandpa. She asks him about old lady Lovey. Why are you concerned with that old woman, grandpa says. Don't know good come from wondering about Lovey, and you know it. I know no such thing, Bernice says. I hear stories, same as everyone else. I hear she calls people out in the dead of night, lures them into the woods for Lord knows what. But I don't know of anyone who's actually been called in such a way. You heed my words, child, Grandpa says. That woman is a fell sort. You remember what I told you, don't you? You remember what I saw when I was a child? So we get a flashback of Grandpa. He was at the swimming hole... Uh, avoiding his chores or whatever. I love that Like that's what you would do back then, is you would just find a swimming hole and just hang out there all day. You know what I mean? That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would do it if I was back then. Now was a bunch of cotton mouse over there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that. you're right. I would not be in no. there. <laughs> and he's just about to catch some turtles for some turtle soup when all of a sudden these water moccasins swim out around him from under this downed tree. That's horrifying. Yeah, that Um, is horrifying. Yeah. I thought I'd seen my last day, Grandpa says. We see the snakes were actually drawn away from him and to Lady Lovey. And she whispered at them like she was scolding a wayward child. So cute. Yeah, that is really cute. Later, Bernice is thinking all this over. The narration boxes remind us that Grandfather had never even been a boy. He was fully, he was fully, he was raised fully grown from mud. So his memories couldn't be true. I thought that was interesting. I'd totally forgotten about that for a second. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah. I'd, yeah, same. <laughs> mm. it's, it's also calling back to the question that um, Bernice asked in the last arc about saying, if he was created, then what am I? Right, right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And where are those memories coming from? She sees Clinton tapping at the window. He tells her that Uncle Early just wandered off. He thinks old lady Lovey was calling him out to the woods. So they head out. I just want to quickly draw one uh, bit of your attention to one thing. Notice how many books she has. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say like, the Just her, think her about room the time that she lives in right. and where she is. For her to have that number of books is quite a big deal. Right. Oh, yeah, um, that's so true. 
it's an aspect of uh, Bernice's character. It's introduced all the way back when she first shows up in issue one that she's looking forward to like growing up and getting out of Harrow County and seeing the world. And part of that is educating herself. So yeah, this is, yeah, I, I just like that they, they do this very subtly in the background. Right. Just telling you who she is. That's a great detail. Thanks for pointing that out. And I like this bottom panel where she's like, all right, all right, just calm down. We'll figure something out. So even then, like, they're just kids. And she's like, nah, we're going to figure this out on our own. The art as they go out into the woods. We've talked about this at length of like, um, ever since we talked about it with you, Mark, on Salt Magic, talking about how they depict night in different comics in graphic form. And uh, it's really incredible in this. Yeah, this was one of the ones that uh, jumped out at me as well, just because you know, they amplify the darkness. Like at times it's just solid black. Right. Clinton is a little weary about being out there and figured Bernice would get Emmy to help them. You don't see her here with us, do you? Bernice asks. They go over to Lady Lovey's house. I love that shot too, as they see it. It's all, looks all creepy in the background. It really does. The house is dark except for a light on in the cellar. And the color and the pacing as we approach that light, like it really stands out. Um, I'm like, what are they going to see down there? It kind of reminds me of the Burbs, too. We just watched that. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like an ominous light coming from the cellar of this like creepy house. <laughs> so she looks inside and sure enough, she sees Uncle Early on the floor. It looks like there might be some blood around his head or something. We yeah. see um, old lady Lovey doing something with a candle. And we see behind her, there are just shelves and shelves of these cottonmouth water moccasins in jars. Yes. Oh no. Tell me it can't be, Bernice whispers to Clinton. Not another witch. I like how she's covering his mouth, too. She should have kept her hand there, yeah. right? <laughs> this is something actually that uh, I'm noticing just now, just because like uh, in preparation for this podcast, I was reading the library edition, and now I'm reading it digitally just because it's quieter and smaller. In the the library editions, I'm noticing the page turns and what they reveal so much more. Whereas like digitally, it doesn't have the same impact. It's, ah. it sort of flattens it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This... Especially we've talked about that too. Cause you see two pages mm. and you're and the reveals are a little different as you're revealing the next two pages because your eye is kind of seeing more than just the one page you're focusing on. You know what I mean? Like that's part yeah. of it too, to me. Such a great cover. Oh, I love this cover. Um, That nice little detail of the snake's tongue is like fire or magic or Mm. something. Really nice. This opening image is incredible. All the mason jars with the snakes in them. And I could just like, as I looked at that, I could just imagine like all of them writhing in there. You know what I mean? Like they would all be moving and doing that weird, though, you know how snakes move? You know what I mean? Like all wriggling around. That's a whole hell out of nope. For me, yeah. I love snakes. They're so cute and sweet, and I love them so much. They're just sweet little babies minding their own business. But uh, I like how, like you know, the mason jars. You get Harold County, Crook Bun, Pig's Feet. Oh, it says Pig's Feet. That's so funny. That was referenced in the last episode. We were supposed to ask you, have you ever eaten Pig's Feet? Yes. Is that good? That's fine. What is it? What is it taste it's, like? It's not great. I oh, mean. Okay. You know, but I mean, it's one of those things where it's like uh, growing up, my my grandma always used every part of every right. animal like it was always gizzards and ears sure. and, you know, feet and whatever it is. And so, you know, you don't throw away stuff like that. You use it for whatever sure. soup, soup and <laughs> stuff like that. And I don't know, whatever. That's some great insight. I didn't even think about that. That yeah. actually does add something to how what was going on there in terms of the subtext. 
Yeah. 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 Um, you know, grown up Cajun, it's like, yeah, you're going to eat stuff like boudin, chaudin, and gizzards and whatever, not think anything of it. And then come to find out, like, hardly anybody at school in Houston has eaten any of that. Right, right. So, you know, the difference between um, spending time in Lake Charles and spending time in Houston was, it was very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, thanks for pointing out that detail, Aubrey. That was some great insight, Danielle. Thank you. We get some narration. Bernice knows she shouldn't be seeing this and that there will be a price to pay for it. I thought that that was an important line. Um, we see some broken glass on the floor. It looks like one of the snakes got out. We see Uncle Early on the floor and Lady Lovey grabbing one of these water moccasins. I guess the one that got out of the jar or whatever. I love that panel of like it's shadowed under the shelf or whatever. That's so mm, creepy to yeah. me, like that it's yeah. under there and like you're gonna have to grab it or whatever. He's just having a little snooze. He's just he's just <laughs> hiding in a little hidey hole. He's just so comfy wumpy. Clinton and Bernice whisper outside about Lady Lovey being a witch and trying to figure out what she did to Uncle Early. Bernice says they should head home to get some help. When Clinton turns around to find a big old possum hissing that is at him. Not what possums look like. They are just cute and sweet. I will not have this. This it's a it's a big old possum. This is this it's is some anti possum. this is yeah. some anti possum uh, propaganda. <laughs> I will not have possums and snakes maligned. I'm pretty sure it's like a possessed possum. So it's yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> Um, and it looks Did you tell by the red Terminator eyes? <laughs> no, that's just his normal eyes. Oh, no. It, it, it's from his whole, like, hey, guys, I'm possessed. Yeah. And it looks like... Uh... I look forward to uh, you guys finding out more about who these possums are related to. Oh, nice. Ooh. Okay. There's more stories about the possums. I thought it was huge, too. I was like, look at that. That's the size of, like, a big dog or whatever. So I'd be freaked out, too. But I don't think I'd scream the way that Clinton does. I love how Bernice's reaction is like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you and I see a possum in the yard, we're like, oh, look at the possum. I'll call you over. Yeah. Look I'll be like, oh, my God, come look at this. The house that Kathy and I used to live in, we would feed the cats in the neighborhood. And every once in a while, a possum would come and eat so the food. Sweet <laughs> and so like, cute. Like, ding, ding, ding. When Clinton screams out, Lovey is startled hearing the sound of the scream outside. And the snake bites her hand. And we get like this red, brilliant panel of that happening. Clinton and Bernice run off into the woods. She heard you for sure. Get out of here, Bernice says. And again here, like you were talking about, Mark, it's just like pure black that they're using mm. there um, before they turn the lamp on. And then that effect as they turn the lamp on and the subsequent panel of it being on. Like, I love all of that. I thought that was a brilliant way to like depict that clinton and bernice run off into the dark woods they think that they're safe they turn the lamp on but then we see even more possums all over the trees peeking out with their ominous red eyes cute cute eyes <laughs> bernice says they're all familiars spying on them for lady lovey who soon catches bernice grabbing her arm you ain't going nowhere at all she says clinton tries to push lovey away but she just pushes him and she knocks him down, and when she pushes him, you can see her hand all swollen. You can see it in the other yeah. panel, too, but I really noticed it right there. Bernice yells for Clinton to run home and send help. Run, she yells. Run and don't look back. Stupid where you ain't wanted. No idea what you've done. And you will answer for it just the same, Lady Lovey says. And Bernice is like, we wouldn't have gone anywhere near you if you hadn't lured out one of our friends into the woods. You dragged him out here, murdered him. I love her response. She goes, go on, child. Tell me. Tell me my business. Tell me this fancy story of yours. And I'll tell you how you know nothing. So then as we approach her house, we see Uncle Early come out. He's fine. He says he feels better. 
All he remembers is picking blackberries and then waking up in Lovey's cellar. And snakes, he says. I think I remember the snakes. Lovey tells him to go home and forget all this. I don't understand, Bernice says. I thought you killed him, but you're letting him go. Can't say the same for you, Lovey responds. <laughs> I love all this. Bernice notices the snake bite. Lovey says it was bound to happen sooner or later. So I thought this was interesting. It seems like this is the first time that she's been bitten by these after handling them for so long. And like earlier, they mentioned that it was the first time that Uncle Early has been pricked by the thorns. Oh, yeah. So like stuff is happening. You know what I mean? Or I thought that was interesting. Bernice acknowledges that it was her and Clinton's fault that she got bit. So Lovey presents this jar with a dragonfly in it and says, and now you can make it right. Lovey explains that some of the trapped snakes, the water moccasins, slipped away. They require a watchful eye, and Lovey has been watching them for far too long. And we get this awesome flashback. I love the colors on the flashbacks. It's so nice. Mm. Um, it's, we... it's drawn in this kind of wibbledy wobbledy sort of loosey goosey hazy oh, yeah sort yeah of blurry. we can kind yeah. of see that right like um or you know like um there's a bit of bloom in the lighting yeah yeah, yeah like nice. bloom exactly yeah we see that lovey's place in the past was a party house people came all around to drink sing and dance until she showed up hester oh. beck i love this uh slide guitar and the banjo going on right here oh yeah that's really nice I could sense the fountain is dripping off her, as sure as water dripped off her skin. I tried to run her off, but she ignored me. I didn't have any power back then, Lovey says, but I reckon she sensed that I might one day become something more than I was, and she came to drive me off. This top panel of Hester Beck, you just see her grin and the snake coming out from behind her hair. Like, that is so ominous and creepy right there. Oh, I yeah. was like, <laughs> I swear my the hair stood up on the back of my neck when I saw that panel. Her dark thoughts slithered into the minds of people like a knot of serpents. And we literally see the water moccasin slithering towards the people from Hester Beck, and they kind of possess them or something. They all turn against Lovey. So she ran and hid until Odessa found her. Like Hester, she also sensed power in her and taught her to spot the serpents and trap them. She swore she would stand vigil over the snakes and act as their jailer. And we see her putting the first jar of snake on the shelf. You know, we know that it's going to become full with them. But as I was reading this, I was like, wait, do we know these characters? Who's Odessa? Do we know that, right? No, we don't. Know that we yet. don't. So I was like, okay, who is this person? It's like, and she was like Hester. So I just thought all this was interesting. And she has a possum with her that I guess is maybe her. She does indeed. Her like familiar or her like sidekick or whatever. And I'm like, I want to know more about who this character is. Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I thought this was interesting, right? I was like, wait, what is going on here? The way that it kind of slips these details in there, um, yeah. these other nuggets of information, I think are really nice. It's like a, slowly building this whole world. I love that the way the stories always have this sense of being so much bigger than just the story being told. Right. There are all these other pieces that you don't even know yet or haven't, they're mm -hmm. only getting like the way the storytelling is done where these like little offhand comments are building more, more things to explore. Um, so Bernice says, uh, so you want me to track the snakes that slipped away to use his dragonfly to find them? And then what? That man early was compelled by one of Hester Beck's snakes sent here to set the others loose. It was not the first in all these years. There have been many attempts to loose those snakes. Tonight's the first time that any of the prisoners have slipped free. There's no telling what might happen if they find their way into the minds of people hereabouts. 
There's so little time now, Lovey says. I feel myself growing weaker, getting old by the second. If and you don't find them now, there may be not we can ever do. Yeah, so I like yeah. all this. The, the, here's the mission, right? It's like, yeah. okay, we got to go find some snakes. We're going to use this dragonfly in a jar. And so the dragonflies have been, there's, there's a panel in like every issue where they like focus on them. So I thought this was interesting that like they're like a homing beacon to yeah. supernatural things because they appear right before something weird happens. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. they um they're referred to as snake doctors and uh oh you're right that's yeah. right we it's talked the about implication that, that even if you're not seeing them the snakes are nearby yeah and it's sort of like in this scene hester's presence is working in some way right but yeah so like now you kind of got a better sense of these snakes i mean you, you already saw in the uh first arc one of the snakes go into sorrel's ear so you know like the damage for the ear is not from biting it, but from the snake wriggling inside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what happened. That's somehow worse. <laughs> yeah. We get some really cute scenes of Bernice learning how to use the homing beacon. I really loved all this. The pacing on it, the panel layout and everything. I like this one panel where she's like, what happened? Where'd you go? And then she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> when she goes in opposite direction and starts moving again. Like, I thought this was really cute. And it's giving you the whole idea of how this works. It's not just that it's it shows you how it works, but it's like, you know, showing a character learning something, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. She's being introduced to a whole new world. So she's able to use this to find a snake. And she's like, okay, it's close, isn't it? Somewhere around here. I don't suppose you can tell me what I'm supposed to do next, can you? So she starts looking around. She finds one under this fell tree and she just reaches her hand under there and grabs it. All this was very tense for me. I was like, no, something bad is going to happen. Like before you turn that page. Um, But she actually catches it. Bernice wasn't sure how she caught the snake nor how she avoided being bitten. She barely had time to consider these questions. She acted on instinct. Her fingers working as if they had performed their tasks a hundred times before. And I like how they just, she gloats at the snake once it's in the jar. She's like, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. And that last panel, just taking that beat of success where she's holding it and just goes, I caught you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I just, I beam every time I get, you know, see that sense of achievement that she's got there. Yeah. Back with Lovey. It looks like she patched herself up a little bit, right? I guess maybe she has uh, some anti-venom or hopefully she's got something, right? Well, I mean, I, I assumed that uh, she would think she'd get bitten sooner or later. Right. Yeah. Bernice comes in triumphant with the snake in the jar. Lovey says she still has two more to catch. You ain't done if you're willing to keep helping me, Lovey says. And Bernice is like, you want me to keep helping? Just then... Uh, they hear Clinton return with help. Bernice's grandpa with a shotgun and some other guys. Bernice tells Lovely that she'll go outside and tell them there was a mistake. First, though, I need to know if you're willing to help me. If you're willing to continue my work, Lovey says. Do you want to learn what I have to teach? Do you want to know how to spot Hester Beck's influence and stop it? There's a beat where she thinks about it. Yes. Yes, I would, Bernice responds. Oh my god. Sorry, I really love that story. <laughs> yeah, that's really <laughs> And it's good. one of those ones that like you'll never read it the same way again when you come back to it. Ah, okay. I like a story where you think that someone's evil and then they're just like, I'm just misunderstood and I'm doing something that you don't even understand. Oh, it's you my know? favorite, yeah. And something like mm-hmm. that. So I, I yeah. like uh I like this whole story with old lady Lovey and you know, she yeah. was like she used to be like popular and cool and everybody wanted to come over there so you know it's just like i I think that 
that all that is really interesting for this character. Yeah, it's really cool. Like to to sort of you don't know that you're getting the story of that character um, back when they first introduced the broken Mason glass, you know, on the path to Mason Hollow. And, you know, like to then sort of see that as like a, a reflection of that character because it is something horrible that happened to that, ta- um, that town. But now that path that glitters like jewels is something beautiful. And I feel like that's a commentary on Lovey as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. When I went to the next issue, I thought it was going to be the continuation of this. I was like, she's got to get to the two other snakes. What happened? So I was also kind of like, dang it. Where's the rest of this story? I guess we'll have to revisit that on a future episode. Yes, we will. (laughs) But yeah, Bernice is my favorite character. Yes. And I also thought it was cool that we get like, we're just focusing on this character now. Mm. It's not just, I think I said this earlier, but it's not just Emmy's story. It's the story of the whole town, you know? So I like that it's kind of opening the story up to some of these other adventures. I really liked that. And I love every time that Emmy and Bernice are in a scene together. Those are always like the most wholesome and nicest scenes in the whole thing. <laughs> they are the heart of the goddamn comic. Yeah. So opening up chapter 12, we get this cover. Um, we see this dolly there with the blood and everything. So that's all pretty creepy. So far, we've got some good uh, Halloween stuff, I think. Mm. Lots of greens on that cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The art on this one is by Hannah Lavender. And they have an amazing art style. We get that opening double splash page with Emmy heading towards a haunted house. And some chickies. And Creech's Crossing. Oh, big fat chickies. Uh, I like these old school names, too, of places mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I've got a certain fondness of those names just because, like, I live in Frog's Hollow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great name for a place yeah. to live. Wait, is, is that where you really live? Yeah, that's the name yeah. of the, um, yeah. the area of Brisbane that I live in is called Frog's Hollow. That's a oh, fantastic nice. name okay. Very for cool. a place awesome. to live. That's great. It's been a while since Emmy has been to this part of town. I also like that we're back with Emmy, too. That was kind of cool to come back to this character. So she hasn't been here in a while. And the first thing that happens is she runs across Mrs. Cohen, a longtime family friend, or so she thought. Miss Cohen is getting her laundry from the wash line. And when she sees Emmy, she kind of scowls and spits twice, an act meant to ward off foul spirits. So, I, of course, I had to look this up. I thought this was interesting. This comes from a lot of Jewish and Greek culture. I found an awesome article on forward.com that I'll link in the show notes. It says, in a classic study, The Evil Eye in 1895, the philologist Frederick Thomas Elworthy gives numerous examples of this custom, ranging from Greek to Roman antiquity to contemporary England, but they weren't satisfactorily able to explain it. The Roman, he pointed out, had a special phrase for it, meant to spit at evil. The Latin poet Tibullus, for example, had a poem in which he described asking a sorcerer to cast a spell on the mistress' husband to keep him from knowing about their tryst. And when you translate it, he says, She gave me this charm for you to fool him. Chant it three times and spit three times when the song is done. I guess that these are the only references available of like when it became a thing. I'd never heard of that custom before. Had you? I can't really remember anything specific about that now. Okay. So Miss Cohen starts going away and then she stops herself. Well, where are my manners? She says, you caught me at my worst, feeling poorly from all my chores. Don't mind me at all. Have a good evening, Emmy. But even after that, Emmy is not really sure if the woman did it because she felt bad for the way she behaved or if she'd just been playing a role out of fear of drawing Emmy's ire. I want to draw your attention uh, just to that spitting moment, you know, in you know relation to that line you just said, because I think 
Hannah Lavender did a really good job with the the woman's face in the bottom panel right after the spitting moment where it's like she captured the uh, ambigu- ambiguity of that statement. You know, yeah. you don't know if the concern is from, oh, I just spat at someone who was just once a family friend. I'm a horrible person. Or is it really just like, what have I done? I've just ticked off a witch. You know, like right. um, I do like Mrs. Cohen's reaction. Like I should start saying that too. Like, oh, you caught me at my worst. I'm just feeling poorly from getting home from work today. That's why I'm in a bad mood. You know what I mean? I'm just feeling poorly mm. from the traffic because that happens too. I just love the phrase. You know, I was like, man, I'm gonna start using that. Actually, I might point out something with the colors here too, because I mean, we've all read the issue ahead of time. You know, before the thing, so I guess it's not too much to kind of say what the colors are doing. They kind of got this kind of golden palette going on here that's you know, that's sort of your neutral place uh right. and then it, it travels from there now they use uh red accents for tension so you'll notice that uh mrs cohen she has uh red laundry she's holding right. that uh, pointedly and when you see the uh, little girl she's wearing a red dress yeah uh, so that's yeah. that's a point of tension and the other thing is the presence of like the ghostly or the unnatural which is represented by green and so you can see that with the little kid in this oh, scene God, the page. I didn't even notice that yeah. with the green seeping out from under the door of the house oh, oh yeah. yeah and you'll see as they sit on the porch the whole porch is like bathed in this green and they use like that accents all the way through you know like the red it remains tension and right anyway, just look for it as you go ahead it's really cool to see how it evolves yeah, but I, I love this detail of the kid on the seesaw because, of course, that one is on top because there's there's no weight and they can't yeah. see him. So, like, if you took that out, it would still make sense, right? Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned the colors like that, Mark, because when they see Emmy, they're like, oh, we didn't expect a witch to look like this. They expected her to be wrinkly, green-skinned, and covered in warts. We, they literally tell you that green means something bad um, right here in the in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And you'll note the uh, the doll is wearing a green dress. Just oh, like, right. Uh, Emmy. Yeah. Emmy talks to the little girl, Gertie, and she takes notice of her little doll. Gertie recognizes that Emmy has a friend like that, too. The skin is, like, in her bag or whatever. That's her little friend. I guess I do, Emmy responds. But how'd you know that? She asks Gertie. I heard it somewhere, Gertie says, looking at her doll. Emmy talks to her about the house pest they have. Gertie says it comes out at night and hisses at her and threatens to eat her up. Emmy says that she'll do what she can about it, and they go inside. Don't forget your doll, Emmy says. But Gertie says the doll said that it doesn't want to come inside, and it's perfectly comfortable where it's sitting. We get that one focus in on the doll. I thought that that was pretty creepy, too. Like, this expressionless, like... It, it doesn't even have a smiley face. It just has like a straight, <laughs> a straight line. Again. Like buttons for eyes. Yeah. Emmy meets with the parents. They tell her that they will gather the family for supper and discuss their burdens with Emmy before night falls. And we get another shot of that doll just out there while they're talking. I love that. It was very creepy in a very like non-specific way. It's like, why am I creeped out by just this doll on the porch? But the pacing and everything, the way that they cut to it. Inside, the family has dinner with Emmy, and they explain that they moved there after their dad got a mining job in the area. At night, the ghosts come out and try to get them and the kids, like every other kid who's ever lived in this house, the mom says. Gertie has heard of Hester Beck and how Emmy is setting some of her wrongs right. And the dad tells her not to be rude, but Emmy doesn't mind. Here's something I didn't notice until, like, you know, the second time around. But uh, at the table, everybody's got a plate except for the one kid. 
Oh, yeah. right. Okay, yeah. Good detail. Yeah, I didn't notice that either until now. Another boy says the ghost tries to lure them and then gets angry when they can't be tricked. And what about you, Emmy asked the third child. You've been awfully quiet. Has the ghost been bothering you too? And the mom's like, uh, Emmy, who are you talking to? That was a great reveal there. Yeah, I mean, that was really nice. Good. Yeah. We get this brilliant explosion of color as the child turns into this mass of blue tendrils and light or something like yeah. that is happening, right? And uh, that's, that's the other part of the color is like when like the blue, like the green is kind of like the subdued version of the ghost. The blue is when it's like, you know, really coming out. And what I like right. is the kid's face when she's like, and what about you? You've been awfully quiet. Just look at how he gradually becomes more and more blue as you look at him before that. Point. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. The mom says it's never been like this before. And the ghost is just like wrecking shit, right? Like everything's going everywhere. It's making this huge commotion. All the furniture is flying around. So Emmy tells the family to run outside. I think it's angry I'm here, she says. No, waiting for this. For you, the skin says from inside the bag. The spirit starts to split the walls in the house and somehow throws the dad around. Emmy tries to ward it off, but it just starts hounding Gertie. We see all like the ghosts. The I, I like the sound effects from all the different ghost voices and stuff like that calling out at Gertie. So Gertie runs up the stairs. Don't, Emmy yells. Stay with us. So she goes up the stairs after Gertie. Emmy thinks the house is trying to get Gertie alone, but the skin in the bag tells her it's really using Gertie as bait to get to Emmy. We see the walls split open, and these child ghosts are, like, pulling Gertie in. I thought this was pretty awesome. I really liked the depiction of this. It kind of reminded me of Devil's Backbone. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, it's been a while, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just really nice effects with the blue and the green, like we've been talking about. Mm. So once Emmy is able to pull Gertie away from all these ghosts, they're, like, pulling her into the wall, they start making their escape. And as they do, like, the ceiling is coming down on them. The house starts to fall apart, and all these kid ghost skeletons crawl out of the wall, onto the floor, and towards Emmy. Stay, promised you'd come. We were promised, they say. We're here for you, here to learn. You belong to us. Emmy and Gertie, they run out of the house. And as they exit, Emmy addresses the house. She says, whatever you want, whatever purpose you serve, whoever put you here for me, you can tell them you failed to scare me. You are not welcome in my town. The house itself is the monster, right? I love this reveal of the whole house. Like it says the house reared up like a twisted spider. I can imagine that's difficult to depict, but yeah. um, It's like a whole genre though. The house is the monster. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. But I've never seen it like turn into a, like actually be like a a giant mouth, but it's a house. I don't know. I see it. You need to watch the movie monster house. I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do need to that's see a that. Whole, that's an entire genre. The, the house is a monster. I really like this, though. The way that it's depicted by Hannah Lavender. It just slithers away. It, it retreats underground. I think that's amazing. Like, the whole house itself just, like, kind of yeah, what buckles do you say apart. You, and just, what do you like, say when you watch that happen? You're mm. looking at that happening. You're just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's all my stuff in there. Okay. Yeah. I mean... It's better that you aren't in there, but still, now you got to find a new place to live. All right, then. But then she has to go address the family, too, because they thought they were all hugging her and they were like, you're here to save us. Oh, my God, you're going to do all these great things. So she has to address them. And the mom says nothing like that has ever happened before. You just turn around. You're like, sorry. (laughs) At first, I thought we were dealing with ghosts, Emmy says, lost souls who were trapped in that house. But they weren't any ghosts at all. That's why they wouldn't listen to me. It was the house itself. The house was a haint. 
And I think maybe it was here for me all along. So the little boy does the spit, right? Just like Miss Cohen did. Gertie is upset about her doll being lost. And Gertie says, she would have known better. She knew the house was dangerous. She told me so. She knew. It was her that told me about you, Emmy. She told me you could help. And Emmy's like, I'm really sorry. The doll told me about you, Gertie says. She told me you'd come if we asked. Cammy told me. And so Emmy has like a shocked expression on her face. So we know that Cammy, that was from the previous arc, that was her long lost sister who got drugged down into the ground by Hester Beck at the end of that arc. So I guess she still lives somehow or somehow that doll or whatever, right? Or something like that. So yeah. how is that happening? So that's, uh, I really like that. It's bringing all these other threads into it. Yeah. Um, I like how we had like different, it was almost like some of the short stories episodes on the Hellboy Book Club. You know, I thought that it was kind of cool to have um, some different, instead yeah. of one arc, you know, different tastes of different things yeah. that are going on in Harrow County. So they're all like uh, smaller stories, but each one gives you its own unique little cliffhanger that you're like, man, it's like wide open now. Like there's so many different directions the series could go. Oh yeah. It was, um, it was really cool. And like, like you said, John, how did you like the, getting the different uh, vignettes of different stories? Well, and yeah. it's different vignettes, but they're building on each other to make something more, you know what I mean? To like flesh things out more, which I think is just really cool. Uh, a nice way to do it rather than the traditional, yeah, every arc is a, is one thing, you know? So yeah, that was awesome. I'm excited to get to the next couple of issues. <laughs> uh, anything else you wanted to say, Mark, or uh, a- any other thoughts you had? Oh, uh, no, probably not anything that I can say at this stage. Like, I'm probably going <laughs> to. It's always that way, having, isn't it? <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to come back and talk about these at a later point just because, like, retroactively, there's so much going on. But you guys just aren't at that stage yet. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Excellent. Uh, I don't know if uh, you're aware of this. Like, there's been like a lot of Harrow County stuff lately. There was uh, the audio dramas were recently released from Graphic Audio. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice. You were telling me yeah. about that. Yeah, I definitely got to check those out, especially at least up to the issues that we've read. Yeah. Um. So by the time this episode goes live, uh, all of it should be out. So yeah, it'd be all 32 issues as an audio drama. Nice. I'll link, awesome. that as, I'll link that in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. And there was also a Kickstarter for a Harrow County board game. Oh, cool. It was, yeah, it was epically cool. <laughs> it's just like, because the people that are creating it off the page games, they want to work with the people who make the comics. They want it to, you know, not just feel like a, a licensed um, property, but something that really feels like it's connected to the comic. And so they got Cullen Bunn to, you know, like write, the cards and stuff like that so they've got that you know like his flavor of text and they got tyler crook to do all the art and so yeah it's a wow. really elaborate project nice that's amazing i have to check that out mm-hmm. awesome thank you so much mark for joining us at the end of our halloween times uh, it was a lot of fun i love the spooky you know scary stuff on the spectacular yeah spooktacular that was very cool october is the best excellent we're gonna be celebrating aubrey's birthday for the next couple of weeks so uh, make sure to get your well wishes into Aubrey. And uh, yeah, it's birthday month for Aubrey. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Very good. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. 
All right, everybody. Harrow County. That was really good. And this was a lot of a nice little fun cap to our Halloween themed episodes. So I want to hear what you thought about any of our episodes, especially Harrow County and the others. Uh, send us a hey, you damn guys at Book Club Member Comics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Book Club Member Comics and on Twitter at Book Club Members. And as always, you can always find all of our resources on our Podbean website, our Facebook About section, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special to thank you to Paul from Gotahan for the uh, listener feedback theme. Thank, thank you, Paul. Thank you, yes. Our theme is from Only Beasts. Our logos are from Ross Radke and Matt Strackbine. And as always, you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And when you're there, open it up and give us that five-star review. And if you're enjoying it, tell a friend and have them join the book club. Yes, do it. We are going back to the Hellboy Book Club podcast, and we are going to be reading The Amazing Screw-On Heads 20th Anniversary Edition. Awesome! So you guys know what to do. Find a friend that already bought it and read their, over their shoulder, and join us next week on Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm a woodland creature just minding my own business. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm a boy or a nightmare. The jury's still out on that. <laughs> and I'm Aubrey Loveless. I'm the boogeyman's boogeyman. Yeah, it's very good. Halloween time.